0: Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Come on, this morning, let's just thank Jesus for all that he has done, all that he is doing, all that he wants to do. Right here, right now, Highgate North. Why don't we welcome those watching online? How about our friends and family on the plaza and the men of Lansing Correctional? We love you all. Where this message finds you, I hope it fills you with hope, because we need hope in this weary world, don't we? I'm going to in just a moment continue my little mini-series talking about blind barriers and unseen potential, that some of the things that we don't even know that are coming against us, God can actually use it when we start walking according to His Word and His ways to propel us forward. Uh, Two weeks ago, I talked about honor, the power of honor in our life, honoring people. Uh, Last week, I talked about generosity and we had an opportunity for us to practice what what I preached, practice what we believe this very last week. Um, Obviously, we are all aware of the devastation and and the, the tyranny, the regime change in Afghanistan has caused. And I just want to let you know, as a church... Uh, Because of your generosity, our collective sacrifice, even throughout this year, we were able to give very substantially already to help rescue people out of persecution, potentially out of martyrdom. I mean, this is heavy, heavy stuff. And uh, I don't want to weigh us all down because the truth is we don't have persecution like a lot of the world does. Open Doors, you go to opendoorsusa.org and see that Afghanistan is the second most um, persecuted place for Christians on the planet, just behind North Korea. And uh, especially in moments like this, Uh, there are 48 uh, students, uh, teachers, faculty, and families uh, that we have a unique connection. Very rare to have someone on the ground in Afghanistan because of a family relationship I have with a Christian school right there in Kabul, uh, we were able to give already. We teamed up with two other churches, but our church really led the way. You guys led the way. We have prepared and paid for visas and flights for 48 students, faculty, and families. Now, we've done what we can do in the natural But now, as a church united together, two locations, uh, those online, we need to believe for what God can do only in the supernatural. Out of those 48, as of last night, and I've been staying in constant contact with our connection there, um, only four have actually made it on their planes. So thank God they are out of um, the place of persecution and on to the next step that God has for them in their destiny. It's not a surprise to God. Now we need to believe for the rest of them, for safe transport. What you might not have heard on the news that I heard from him uh, that the ISIS, not even uh, the Taliban, but ISIS um, threatened the airport, closed for 24 hours. So the line of people trying to get evacuated went up to 7,000 people in line. But many of our students and their families and the faculty of that school, they are on, um, uh, on the list. They will get through. That's what we're believing for, that's what we're contending for, that's what we've already given towards. And we will believe for even more, and we're going to do even more. So practically speaking, we're doing our very best. Uh, There'll be more for us to do. Collectively, as a church, globally, we're going to be giving to um, World Vision and taking care. They take care of people right there on the ground, as well as those that will be refugees in the future. So this is not just a one week. It might be one week in our news cycle, but this is much longer than one week in God's heart. And we're going to stand with our brothers and sisters, and we're should not feel uh, frustrated uh, by the freedoms that we do have. We should not feel guilty. We should be very grateful and then realize there's God opportunity to make a difference. Even if it's just for one. Maybe we don't get to solve the whole problem, but we can be a world of change for one. Rescue one girl out of being sold into slavery. Rescue one child. Set them up for the future. Take care of one family. And we've done our part after this point, but we need God. We need God. The world needs God. And guess what? God so loved the world, cares so deeply about it. He sent his son and guess what? By his power, through his hand, by his grace, he's still at work saving this world. Can we pray together? Come on, Plaza. Everyone, let's really pray. Let's pray as if our one prayer, one person is going to break through the darkness and bring the plan of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to make a difference in the world around us, in Kansas City and beyond. There is no limit to the reach of your hand and there is no limit to the impact of our prayer. Lord, we pray with fervency, declaring in the name of Jesus that no weapon formed against your people will prosper. I believe all people belong to you, whether they know Jesus yet or not. Lord, I thank you that underneath this new wave of persecution, it will be a credible opportunity for the gospel to advance. The good news about what you've already done for them. But Lord, we pray in particular for those that we are partnering with, with that school, with the teachers, with the faculty, with their families, and especially with the students as our students are going back to school. We just take a moment to think about other kids halfway around the world. Lord, would you save them? Would you protect them? Would you free them? I thank you they have beautiful futures with you. Their destinies are not derailed. It is right on time. So God deliver them to the next thing you have for them. Lord, I thank you that we would carry this in our hearts, but we would place it on your shoulders. You are well capable to save, to restore, and to redeem. Lord, we love you. We inviting you to do what only you can do and we believe it is done in the name of jesus a faith filled church says amen amen come on we're gonna make a difference you can grab your seats and i got so many stories i could share about that seven of the students were literally in a safe house hiding and uh, the next door neighbor um, they're living in the basement next door neighbor Taliban came and they took one of the kids away I mean this is intense stuff and yet it's not our opportunity to feel guilty about the freedoms that we have But realize that too much of it's been given much is required That we have the opportunity to do something so i'm going to keep you updated and again, um, we gave a a significant gift uh, One of the most significant gifts we've given in a while already to play for those pay for those plane tickets and for their visas and um we're believing God's going to do something awesome I cannot wait to share more stories of his delivering hand and how you were a part of that so thank you for what you have done and what we're going to continue to do blind barriers unseen potential week 1 was honor week 2 generosity this week i'd already had this plan but it works perfectly with what we just prayed for we're going to talk about adversity we don't like adversity someone who likes adversity they're just weird it's the guy at the gym that he just cares way too much, tries way too hard. I, I don't like adversity. Uh, adversity is going to come against us, particularly if you live your life for Jesus. What you're going to find, though, is that hard ground is actually holy ground. The places of difficulty or resistance actually have a reward. God uses it not to wear us out, but to lead us on. He uses it to actually strengthen us for all that he has in store for us. You as a believer, if you're going to ever live for the kingdom of God or for something significant beyond yourself, which news may be for some of you, you are called to live for the kingdom of God, something beyond yourself, you are going to face adversity. If your life is going to have any significance for eternity, you can expect Adversity. Anytime you do anything that matters, there will be obstacles. Anytime you're building anything worth building, you're going to face battles, trials, and struggles. But here at Hillsong, Kansas City, we don't run from adversity. We stand in the middle of the resistance and we know that God can turn all things together for good. He can work all things together for good because we have committed our lives and our mission to the great commission, which is we don't have our own little subculture in this world. We're in this world. Where we're not of this world, but we're sent to this world to change the world. We are going to see, we're going to do everything that we can within our power to see lives won back from death and into life. We're going to reach people for Jesus. We're going to build beautiful, strong families. We're going to raise up the next generation of world changers. We're going to take care of the poor and the hurting all in the name of Jesus. We're going to make a lasting difference. Therefore, we can always expect adversity. Jesus said that there will be persecution Pressure and pushback on those that live for the kingdom of God. It is a barrier, but also it's a place of unseen potential. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 God blesses those who are persecuted for just doing the right thing. One translation says, for just walking in righteousness. In other words, the God honoring thing. But he says, even though there might be some persecution or some pushback or pressure, Guess what? There's also potential there. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In other words, we're living for something that is lasting. And in the midst of that, we can expect some resistance. The same message that Jesus is sharing there. He goes on to say, they're not actually against you. They're against me. Isn't it amazing to think that we get an opportunity. What we think is resistance against us is actually just resistance against Jesus. That we get to be partakers of the pressure that comes against the movement of Jesus on the earth. And when we are in the middle of it, it is not fun. But it doesn't have to be miserable. Again, that hard ground can be holy ground because God can bring heaven to earth in that place. The kingdom of heaven is theirs when you're facing those, those barriers. What we call a barrier, God sees as an opportunity for blessing. Listen, it's never fun to be in a battle. They say what doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. Kelly Clarkson actually sang that, didn't she? What doesn't kill her makes her stronger. I personally think what doesn't kill you almost killed you. Like it's difficult to have drama in your life. It's not fun to have resistance in your life. The barrier that seems to come against you when you're trying to live or build your family or build your marriage to glorify God. It isn't easy, but there is something significant. There's unseen potential that God uses what that was meant to come against you to actually make you greater. And advancement might have attack, but it also has and unlocks some beautiful kingdom opportunity on the inside of us in 1991, they opened up a Biosphere 2 in the Sonoran Desert in Arizona. I'm not talking about Biodome. That's a Pauly Shore movie for the Gen Xers out there would remember. Biosphere 2, where they recreated different climates and environments in the world to study them. They were able to recreate a desert, and which isn't that hard because it was in the desert. And They had a rainforest in there. They even had a little ocean where they had waves that they were manufacturing. But the one thing they didn't add, ended up being a major detriment to the experiment, is they didn't add wind. They weren't able to add wind. And because of that, the plants that grew in this perfect environment ended up growing up quickly but falling apart. They could not sustain their own fruit because they didn't have any wind or resistance to strengthen the fibers and their root system. In other words, the adversity was actually for its advantage. In the same way as we are people that are planting our lives on purpose for God's kingdom, if we never have any resistance, we never grow in any strength. We never grow in any resiliency. The Bible says in Psalms 92, verses 12, Uh, It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. See, palm trees in particular were designed by God to handle and sustain and even thrive in the wind. They bend, but they don't break. I feel like I'm speaking to some people that have chosen to plant themselves in the purposes of heaven here on the earth in God's house. And yes, we're seeing flourishing, but we're also seeing a fight. And as we live big for something bigger than ourselves, you can expect storms, struggles, adversity, resistance, and wind. And although you might have bent a little bit, the, the weight of this world and the culture of attack and accusation in this world is out of control. But in the climate of this crisis, you might have bent, but you did not break. And if you would stay planted in that place of calling, you will flourish. And unlike those trees in the biosphere too, you'll be able to sustain your fruit. In fact, the Bible says those that plant themselves by those rivers of living water, those that plant themselves close to God's heart, they're going to thrive in every season. It doesn't matter the climate around you. doesn't matter the storms that you're in. You will bear fruit in every season. Anytime you plant yourself in God's house for, uh, on purpose, you're going to thrive, but not without trials, not without the winds of adversity. But there is a greater strength that you gain by not running away from every adversity or letting the wind push you back, but choosing instead to lean in to the resistance. You're going to see a greater strength. I, I think your life a little bit, the life that God has for you is a little bit like a block of marble. In it itself, it has of some value. But then when we allow it to be chiseled and refined by the sculptor, it's something so much more valuable so much more beautiful. The chiseling away in the hard places, the conflict that we just experience in life actually creates our life to look more beautiful and become more like Jesus. God said, your life is like a masterpiece. I want to put it on display. And pressure in the right places produces more value. It produces more value. I want to tell you today, if you've been bending for a little bit in the winds of resistance... In an adversity, and you're not breaking, but you're choosing to stay in that place, God has a way of turning attack into advancement. Even if you've taken some shots recently, maybe with family or loved ones, or even at work, for who you are, and what you believe in, and what you're standing for, God has a way of turning wounds into wins. God has a way of using adversity as a pathway to greater opportunity. And I know in August... In the midst of COVID everything, I am speaking to some planted people in God's house. Let me tell you, what you think is a barrier is not. The barrier of resistance you might be facing is going to become the blessing of resiliency. Your decisions today to stay planted will produce fruit in your tomorrow. At the beginning of the year, we declared that it is a year of rescue. It is a year for Hillsong Church of Restoration. It's here to rescue, restore, and to rebuild Rescue mission, restoration, and rebuilding all have a cost. There's always labor and risk involved in that, but it's not without a reward. When I think about rebuilding, obviously the Bible story that correlates with it the most is the story of Nehemiah. Anyone who's been in church knows the story of Nehemiah. Maybe you're new to faith or checking out church today. He's a a man who was close to the king, really the emperor, the king really of the world at that time. And yet his homeland, Jerusalem, Israel, was in ruins. And when he heard the report, he came before the king and asked for the king's permission to go do something about the brokenness in his hometown. And yet he he had favor with the king and went on a thousand mile journey and really gathered around a group, rallied around a group of nobodies to do something that's lasting. They rebuilt the walls of the broken city. Do you know there's some broken places in our city? Maybe some fractured places in your family. Maybe some busted places in your life that God is actually using you. You have the king's permission to begin the rebuilding process, not just for you, but for the people around you and for the purpose of heaven that is in you. And what we learn from this story, that even though it's trying to do a good thing for other people, Nehemiah, really, if you read his story, is unbelievably sacrificial. He doesn't even take the king's allotment for him. He gives it out to other people. He's, He's just in this for the greater good of his people, of humanity. But what we see when God opportunities arise, attack usually follows. Attack usually follows. I think we've all noticed that in our own life when we make a decision that we feel like is a God-destiny decision, something that God desires of us. When we start following His Word, when we start living by the principles and the pace that God has established for us, normally when we're walking in destiny, dilemmas start to come knocking at the door. When you try to serve other people, then you start having problems with other people. You want to build or strengthen your marriage. You're tired of it being the way that it is, just barely existing Like they're living with a roommate, and you want the intimacy and relationship and connectivity that God desires for you. So you start working through your issues. And the moment of opportunity to get better, all of a sudden, arguments seem to arise overnight, or more stress comes from somewhere else. That's the resistance, that's the adversity. Maybe you're leaning into generosity, honoring God. And as we just did, we gave so sacrificially to people that we'll probably never see this side of eternity. But as we lean into generosity, ever notice that you get a bill or a speeding ticket or a parking fine or out of nowhere, why? That's the winds, that's the winds of adversity. And as Nehemiah begins to build the wall, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the critics start to rise up. The critics who are worried about their place of authority, they're worried about their opportunity to be in charge. A guy by the name of Sanballat and Tobiah. I won't read you the whole story. You need to read it for yourself. And as you read Nehemiah, I would also read the counter story, which is Ezra. How there's both a physical building and rebuilding of the wall. And there's a spiritual endeavor to that. It's a great lesson as we build church. Yes, we build church by getting people to serve. And and people step into their potential. And we build families. But we have to keep the spiritual side strong as well. It says this in chapter four, verse one, when St. Ballot heard they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life? Those heaps of rubble burned as they are. Then another voice, Tobiah, weighs in and begins to mock the effort and the energy they're trying to do, trying to undermine the whole project of restoration and rebuilding. You know, anytime you're facing accusation, right like that normally, it's from other people's insecurity. Sadly, Christians sometimes tear down other believers because they're believing God for greater or bigger things. They try to undermine your action steps, To build a life of significance because what it really does is shine a mirror on their decision just to coast instead of step into calling the enemy does not try to eliminate those that are not a threat so if your life has faced some resistance if there's been some adversity lately guess what you're a threat to the enemy what god is doing in you what god wants to do through you the enemy takes it personal because you're rebuilding something, your life. The Bible says we're like being built together in church as a family, as living stones, a place where God's gonna show up and where God's gonna do what God wants to do. The enemy loves to undermine the building of your life and the building of God's kingdom because there is no cost when you choose to coast. And people choose to coast all the time. But there is a cost to calling. There is a cost to the greater that God has designed for you, for your marriage, for your family, for their future. Because when you build, there will be barriers, but they will always be bigger payoffs in the end. What you'll find is the barriers of adversity that you choose to lean into and not run away from actually build you stronger than you could have ever experienced if you didn't face the trial. You can expect resistance, but you don't have to do it without the help of heaven speaking to you, leading you, and guiding you into the greater things of God. What I learned from Nehemiah that I am working into my own life is not to listen to the voice of the critics, to not listen to the accusations of others, to tune out anyone who's speaking detrimentally to what God is trying to develop in me or what God is trying to do through us. He does not stop his building. He doesn't come down off the wall. He doesn't respond and he doesn't answer. He stays in the place of priority. In the same way, when you start facing resistance, accusation, attack, do not come off your wall. Stay planted in that place. You do not need to iron out everyone's issue with you. If you know in your heart what you're doing is something bigger than you, not even about you, it's what God is wanting to build through you, don't come off that place. Make it a place of priority. Don't go down to the pessimistic voices of the critics that are around you. I would say in the last few years, uh, I've faced more resistance and attack than than ever before. I think this year, I think with COVID, the last year and a half, uh, we should do this, we shouldn't do that. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe we're doing that. Uh, I've heard more voices than ever before. And it's over time, I've just learned to kind of grab a hold of a character trait of Nehemiah and just tune it out. Because I'm not going to let the voice of someone who's not in the game keep me out of the game. I'm not going to let the criticism, nor should you of those on the sidelines stop you from doing what God's called you, what God's called us to do. Cause you're battling for something greater than, you know, but again, you're not doing it alone. There's a greater power inside of you than maybe you've never tapped into before or have experienced. That's what it says in first John chapter four, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. If I start listening to everything the world is saying, I'm forfeiting the spirit of God that's already given me victory if I don't give up. So instead of coming down, from your place of priority, of building your marriage, building your family, building the future God has for you, building the kingdom of God to defend yourself, you need to go higher because that is where your help comes from. don't, Don't come down to the level of criticisms. Listen and cry out higher to the voice of your help and the voice of your calling. That's what Nehemiah does in Nehemiah 4, verse 4. Hear us. He begins to turn. Instead of coming down to the pressure or the adversity of accusation below him, he goes higher to the authority of heaven. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. How many just love a good prayer like that? How many read the Psalms and when David is like, God, kick him in the teeth, you're like, yes, amen on that one. I know I'm living in New Testament and this is a season of grace, but I'll take some OT every once in a while. <laughs> I love a prayer like that. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. In other words, they thought they had us under siege. They're going to find out that they're under siege. Don't cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. And they've thrown insults in the face of the builders. And he goes on to say, he prays a prayer. He goes to a higher place, not a lower place. Can we just be the church that just keeps leaning into what the voice of heaven is saying? Keep, keep, keep leaning on the good things that God is doing, not come down to the level of accusation, criticism and adversity. It says, verse six says, so we just rebuilt the wall. He cried out to God and they went right back to work. Rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height. We're halfway there. We're living on a prayer for the people worked with all their heart. Next thing we see him do, when adversity is coming against him, he chooses to build other people. He doesn't go and put his hands in his head and head in his hands and cry out in his tent. He doesn't go and just isolate himself and just get all worried and worked up. Uh, he just goes ahead and speaks life over other people. I mean, one of the best ways to get through what you're going through is start helping other people walk through what they're walking through. And the best ways to see God build your life is be a builder in the lives of other people. Verse 14, after I looked these things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. How many, how many know you need a voice every once in a while just to encourage you not to listen to the accusation of the enemy? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, Hillsong Church, for your sons and for your daughters, for your wives and your homes. There's something worth fighting for. God is looking for those that can keep going even in the midst of adversity. And we might bend every once in a while under the pressure, but we will not break. When I think about those that are exhausted, maybe your whole life has felt like adversity. I know that's several stories of people in this church. I know some of your stories, and I know there's several more. Maybe it's just a season. Maybe it's been the COVID season and pandemic, or maybe just the political climate season. There's just tension and attack that seems to happen every month or even every day in your life. I want to speak to you in particularly, because I feel like you've been bending under the wind, and you're about ready to take yourself off of the wall or out of that place that you've been planted, because just the resistance has been unrelenting. And I just want to speak to that group. I've been in that group in some seasons of my life. And I want to encourage you. I think about the story from first Kings chapter 19, Elisha, Elisha, can we just be honest? Elisha is just one bad dude. Like he hears from heaven. He goes out and, and, and hundreds of the prophets of Baal, he calls down fire. I also pray for some of that OT in my life where my enemies are, I want to call down some fire. And he defeats them. And man, he tells the, the, the skies to close, and three years they close. Tells it when to rain again and it rains again. I mean, he's got victory, he's got boldness. But what we see from like a superhero in the faith like that, he still has seasons where the adversity gets to him. Where the living big on the front lines of heaven has a cost in his inside world. And Ahab and Jezebel, Jezebel in particular says, after his greatest victory I mean you know, sometimes after, after you get one big win you start taking some L's in a row, all of a sudden it seems like some things are coming against you. And after that big victory on Mount Carmel, Jezebel says, hey, next, by next day uh, you're going to be dead. Well guess what, he still lives the next day but the thought that his best days are over the thought that that was his big like, breakthrough for God and God is done with him begin to weigh on his heart and his soul and he begins to grow weary against the wind of resistance and adversity. It says in verse, or chapter 19, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. It's just good to know every once in a while that all these Bible heroes have questions and uncertainties and dilemmas, just like you and I do where he came to Beersheba in Judah and left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I mean, he's ready to get off the wall. He's ready to unplant himself. He is ready to go to be with God. It's like, I've done my work. I'm tired of the resistance. I'm tired of the adversity. I'm ready to check out. I've had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Otherwise, I'm not going to go any farther than my father or my father's father. This is just as good as it's going to get. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. I love that it says all at once. The moment of his despair against the adversity that he was facing, heaven shows up to help. Let me just tell you right now, I don't know how weary you are from the fight you've been in. I don't know if you've been holding on to your marriage just by a threat or trying to raise your kids to honor God. And it seems like it's going the opposite way. You are ready to give up, unplant yourself and get off the wall. At the moment where you need it the most, heaven shows up to help. And baby, just by the spirit of God, heaven can help you today. Get back up and keep going. The angel touched him and says, get up and eat. Come on, how many know that sounds good right there? (laughs) He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, then laid down again. That's what some of you are going to do today. You're going to eat after church, you're going to lay down, you're going to wake back up and you're going to eat again. (laughs) The angel Lord came up a second time and says, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And he went to the cave and spent the night. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story, just my own words. The next day, or wakes up in that night and God begins to move. He sees the wind begin to blow and the fire breaks out and the earth begins to shake. And yet God revealed himself to Elijah in the most personal ways. He then spoke to him in a still, small voice. And therefore, in that moment, in that journey of his weariness, he discovers God a new level of intimacy inside the voice of heaven. Want to speak to him? Yes. He's the God who can change the direction of the wind, but it doesn't always change it. What seems like in our most favorable direction. Yes. He's the God who can shake everything loose and burn everything. That's been a barrier in your life, but the unseen potential in your life is tapping into the unseen voice of heaven that loves to speak when you need to hear it the most. Just like Elijah's saying, this is the way, walk in it. God wants to show you the next step you're supposed to take, even in the midst of the resistance or the adversity you're facing that will bring your greatest days in your very near future. What I also learned from that story is that when you're facing the resistance, you've got to feed your faith. In other words, we could try all the outward activity that we could ever do, and yet it's something about inside strength that God wants to nourish and equip you in. I don't know a lot about working out, uh, but what I do know is that you're going to hit plateaus from time to time. You're not going to go in any more strength or a- any more um, ability to-, to lift more or to do more unless you occasionally take a rest, unless you occasionally get something to eat. you got to actually feed those muscles for them to develop into their potential. In the same way, I'm not saying take a week off of life. I'm not saying like check out of serving or whatever you've been doing. I am saying that in your inside world, you might need to nourish yourself a little bit more. You might need to get a meal that comes from heaven. You might need to get some more daily bread in your life to strengthen yourself. You might need to quiet some of your normal activities, which then in themselves aren't that bad, but they're not going to produce the strength and resiliency. You need to move into the next thing. You cannot starve yourself when you're under Strain, you need to learn to eat. I'm gonna give you some adversity action steps. EAT, can we just all eat a little bit? If you're worn out, some of you thinking about your brunch right now, just keep leaning into the Holy Spirit for a moment. First one is this when you feel like you can't keep going in the face of adversity, you have to eliminate quitting as an option. Let me just tell you, every single one, a part of Hillsong Church, we might not always get it right. We might have to say we're sorry. We might mess up from time to time. Join the club. But one thing we do not do is quit. You might not come from the greatest family. You might come from a family of quitters. But guess what? You're in a new family now. It's a family of faith. It's got a heavenly father. He doesn't quit on us, and we don't quit on what he's called us to do. It might get tough, but we've just gone ahead and said, we're not going to quit. The power of showing up. I don't know what you're facing today, but in about a month from now or a year from now, you're going to be able to say, guess what? Wow, I'm still here. I didn't quit. And if you do not quit, you will win. 2 Corinthians 4, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed, Paul says. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. For we're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus. oh this is the part they didn't tell you when you gave your heart to Jesus, that there's a cross for you to carry. There's some burdens for you to bear. There's some difficult-to-love people you have to love anyway. There's some forgiveness you have to give to others even when they don't ask for it. Oh, there's some accusations that will come against you when all you're trying to do is live a bigger life for God. But, but we, we, we bear in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection of life of Jesus will be revealed oh, there's the unseen potential in our humanity that the world around us is going to see more of Jesus breakthrough because we don't quit. We stay on the wall. We plant ourselves. We stay in the storm. We stay in the marriage. We stay in the counseling. We stay in the season of prayer and fasting. We stay speaking life over our kids. Maybe we got it wrong in the seasons before. We're trusting God to redeem it. We stay the course. We stay stay working that job that isn't easy. That maybe you're undervalued and overlooked, but we just do our work under the Lord. We stay in that place. We stay in church when it gets difficult and they start messing with my issues. We stay in that connect group when homegirl just talks the whole time. It's a word for someone out there. Because we're committed to community and we make each other better. We stay the course. We don't run from the wind. We lean in. And then we adjust our perspective. I said it before already today, but let me say it again. Guess what? you still here. How many sleepless nights have you had in your life? A lot. How many unimaginable or unimaginable difficulties or immovable objects have come against you? quite a few i'm sure some more than others but there's been some for all of us how many tvs have fallen off the stand <laughs> a lot sorry plaza they're destroying what we paid for uh how many times have you wanted to quit because it was just too intense and yet somehow you're still here why what you did is you did what you did. you started to look up instead of go down So down to the lowest common denominator, how bad it's going to be or all that could happen. Do you just try to look to heaven where the Bible says, where does my help come from? It comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. And if you created all these things and you can just sustain me in this thing. And then we also look back. I love in the Old Testament and we need to do this better in our church. Like we got to celebrate what we've gone through and where we've come from. They would build monuments and altars under God after every big battle, every great victory, every miracle. They crossed the Jordan. They just stacked some stones on top of each other. They just took the time just to say, hey, when, and when anyone wants to know what this is about, like our future generations, let's remind them. This is where God was great. This is when God did what we couldn't do for ourselves. This is when we had a victory over an unbeatable enemy. But guess what? He wasn't too difficult for our God. We begin to change or adjust our perspective to see that he's good up there, he's with me in here, and he had me back there. And if he did it back there, won't he do it again? Because a year from now, the thing that you're facing and fighting and frustrated with, it's going to be in your rearview mirror. It might have a cost, but it will not cost you everything. You will make it through if you do not, if you don't quit, we gotta adjust our perspective. I love what Psalms 119, this is a word for someone out there, my troubles turned out all for the best. They forced me to learn from your textbook. In other words, I was doing it my own way, that's why I was constantly derailed and coming against dilemmas, and then I started doing it God's way. And yes, it had resistance to walk rightly with God and to do it in a way that honors his word, but it eventually I found out this is the only way to live, and this is the only way to walk in real victory. Hebrews 13, verse 8 Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, He saved me. Today, He's got me. And forever, I'm going on to everything He has in store for me. Some adversity action steps as I'm almost done. You guys get anything out of this today? I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. I'm going to trust the process. I don't know why He does it this way. This is just the way that God works. Eleven years of building this church. Man, I've put some long hours. What an amazing team, staff, incredible team that serves every week. Liz and I have put a lot of sacrifice. I'm not saying it's a brag on the turners, but two different times. We really three different times. Everything we had, gave it to the church. And it's there's been a cost. It it, it hasn't always been easy. But we've had to trust the process, and then God has brought us such an amazing family of faith. Wow, I love pastoring this church. I Might not know you personally yet, but man, I, I'm so grateful you're on this journey with us. And what this church looks so awesome because of the sacrifice of a few, and then a few more, and a few more, and a few more, and then as all of us are stepping into the new that God's created us for. After a year where it just feels like the whole world's come off its rails. But we're still here, and guess what? We're gonna trust the process. This is why the Bible says when we plant seeds, there's a seed, there's a time, and then there's a harvest. That's why I said it last week, we don't grow weary in well-doing, because at the right time, we're gonna reap the reward, the harvest that God has in store for us. We've got to trust the process. This is how God works. Why God chooses to work through resistance, I don't know. Just like the Apostle Paul says, why won't you just take this affliction i uh, am being buffeted by the enemy. Buffeted means just a constant wave of attack. God, I'm trying to preach Jesus to everyone. Is that not what you want? God, don't you want my family to flourish? God, don't you want my marriage to be an example to my neighborhood? God, don't you want my career to move forward? And then God says, yeah, 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 of course I do. Uh, but, but 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 my grace is sufficient. Because in your weakness, I'm going to be shown as strong. In other words, I'm not just going to happen in a moment. I'm going to grace you moment by moment to not just get to where you think you need to go, but I'm going to take you to where you never thought you could go. Because the wind that maybe causes us to bend actually strengthens the backbone of our faith that we can go places we could not go without the adversity, without the resistance. James chapter one, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. This is you, Hillsong Church. Having stood the test, you will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised for those who love him. So there's something about staying in adversity and trials that shows that my love for God is bigger than my own glory. It is bigger than my own comfort. I'm willing to go through it because guess what? He went through it for me. And like Paul says, the perspective that he had was these are light and momentary afflictions. It won't last forever, but what will last forever is the glory that far outweighs it all. He's doing something worth gold in here. Last verse, Psalms thirty-four, nineteen: The righteous person, this is you. You're not righteous by your works. You're righteous by the finished work of the cross. As a believer, you may have many troubles. your God, he sees it. Your God, he's with you. Your God might take you on a journey, but he'll speak to your heart. Your God delivers you from them all. Do you believe it? I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's coming up against your faith or your family or your future. I just know the God of heaven is for you. And that is more than enough to walk in victory. Do you believe that? On the plaza up north, can we stand to our feet? I want to pray over those that the wind the adversity the resistance has been more than you can bear maybe you barely made it to church today maybe you barely tuned in online today because your faith is holding on by a thread just because the weight of the world seems to be coming down upon you stay on your wall keep building the last thing keep obeying the last thing God told you to do stay planted let's stay connected encourage other people refuse to quit. Eliminate it as an option. It's just our perspective. The same God that saved us back then, if you will, out of our Egypt will take us to the promised place. There's some battles in the promised land, but you're going to fight them and you're going to win them. And then let's see the people that just trust the process. God knows what He's doing with your life. If the resistance would be too great, if the attack, the adversity against you would be too great, He wouldn't allow it but what he's doing for you and through you is giving you a strength you didn't know that you had. And sometimes it's a strength that you do not have. It is supernatural from heaven to help you bring heaven to earth, heaven to your marriage, heaven to your workplace, and heaven to your family. Can I pray for you? Father God, I thank you for every heart that's here. Let this message not just be a moment of encouragement, but let it be something that you help us master in our lives. Knowing that resistance has a reward, that adversity actually brings an advantage, because you're strengthening our inside world. Yes, here in America, in the middle of America, we do not have it as bad as millions do around the planet. But our own battles, there's a cost to them. And big and small, they all matter to you. So, Lord, I speak to the heart on the plaza, online, at Lansing, here at the north, of anyone that feels like they're barely holding on, barely leaning in, barely hanging on to the wall. Lord, I thank you supernaturally just like you spoke to Elijah. Would your still, small voice speak to their heart saying, this is what I have for you. This is the way to go. Walk in it. Stand in that place. Stay in the gap. Keep fighting. Keep leading in. The wind will not break you. The storm will not stop you. The battle belongs to the Lord and victory will be theirs in Jesus' name. I pray promotion over the marriages, over the families, over the future of the people of this church. I pray kingdom come and will be done on heaven as it is in earth. I thank you for victory after victory as we reach heart after heart and soul after soul for the gospel mandate that drives us forward. And I thank you that the promotion of heaven is happening over our lives. Lord, when we come up against a battle we're not in it alone you've given us a family of faith and you've given us a spirit that's more than a conqueror so we face down the storms and we speak to them let them be still and even if they continue to rage we'll keep sailing on because that which was meant to stop us will only release what cannot be stopped your kingdom will advance through our lives in the mighty name of jesus